Hey, you're here with Ned Hennigan. You're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Running Rugby Podcast. As always, I'm your host Archie Hughes, joined by Leo, but unfortunately uh, Toby unable to join us today. Uh, He's stuck in the middle of Morocco somewhere out in the desert, but that's alright. I'm sure things will run probably a bit smoother without that big kid in the mix. So, big show today, so we'll review all the games this weekend, uh, have a look at the Super W have a chat with a special guest on the show today, um, and then look at the week ahead. But first, Leo, you watched the game this round. What, what was your favourite moment? Big Easter of rugby. Saw almost every single game, and uh, there was some big high-scoring affairs on the weekend, and, and a couple of grinding matches as well. Uh, for me, the, the Sharks, with their first away win... Uh, outside South Africa, and in fact, the first South African win outside of South Africa. Yeah, that's big. Um, that was that was a good good game uh, for for that side who have a lot of assets. Uh, that, that I think I've described them on a previous pod as just looking really raw and maybe lacking that cohesion uh, that they need to to put all their potential out for 80 minutes, but it seems like they found it against, uh, understandably, a, a understrength blue side. A lot of names I'm not familiar with, with all the injuries they've got there, but yeah, just really, really good to see a team with that much potential play to that potential. Mm, and it looks, sounds like defence sort of went out the window in that game. What They all scored over 100 points in that game um, total. That was pretty big. For me, though, I was well, I was a little bit disappointed in the, the men's teams this weekend. I actually got to watch a bit of the Super W, and I had a really great time watching the Queenslanders take on the Western Force over in Western Australia, and it was a game that Queensland needed to win to make it into the finals, and they were down early, and you just saw some really exciting play, and they've got they've got two excitement machines out there in the back line there, outside centre, Alicia Bacchusalia, and their fullback Sammy Dehearn were just combining out there and running riot and managing to put together a couple of tries late in the game. Um, they both scored three tries apiece, totaling the total six tries for the Reds, and they ended up bringing their team a win. I think Pakistan scored with two minutes to go uh, to put Queensland ahead, thirty-two to thirty, and line up a bit of a rematch with New South Wales in the final in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that was a good game. I, I enjoyed that as well. Saw saw most of that game and just. Really fast, lots of offloads, good skills from the fly half, and some really big storming runs from the Reds number eight as well. So good to see. Very enjoyable. Match report, round seven. Let's go back and have a bit of a look at some of the uh, Australian games and in the men's. And on Friday night, the streak increases to 33 Super Rugby games against New Zealand opposition that we had lost. The Rebels, we had such high hopes for them. And they kept it together early, but oh, the Hurricanes just 
Oh, they showed their class. Coming out, the Hurricanes won 50 points, Rebels 19. And crashing back to earth for the Rebels, weren't they? Yeah, look, we've got to remember that these guys have, have been brought together under fairly unusual circumstances and, and their record thus far is very impressive for a team uh, put together in you know a matter of months leading into this season as opposed to a lot of teams who've been together for years and have really established combinations. And I think that's something that the Rebels uh, haven't haven't found yet. Understandably, I wouldn't ever hold it against them to to not have found that, that trust beyond the structure in their defense. That level of cohesion. Yeah, like you, you look at you look at teams where you've got, you know, two or three guys in the back line or loose forwards who all played together for a number of years, season after season, and when, when you're under pressure and you've got two people that you're very familiar with inside and outside you in the defensive line and the opposition is throwing a few moves at you, you react better as a unit because you understand that you can trust the guy on your on your inside shoulder to cover that man. You can push out. You, you sort of know your place in that line amongst familiar players, whereas the Rebels, they looked like uh, a team of individuals at times, particularly in defense, making making decisions which, if as a group they're all on the same page and they're aligned, then uh, there was one try where Korobiti could have come through and, and tackled the Hurricanes player probably into touch, but but just ran straight past him, went to the wider man without the ball, and the inside defenders were, I think might have been Jermaine Ainsley, it was a couple of forwards, and they just never got to that yeah. player with the ball. And it was that it was that uh, sort of team, that, so the structure might be that, oh, we need to get a couple of players around the outside to make sure we contain their attack, but if they're not familiar with who you've got on your inside shoulder and you leave him to the player and he's not really up to it or he's not in the right position, he's not going to make it, that's that looks to be where they fell apart in a few uh, phases early, and really once the Hurricanes had put a few points on, it did become a bit more of a one-out response from the Rebels in a lot of circumstances. They they were pushing up in defence without the same structure and trying to cut cut attack down, but just really leaving holes for the Hurricanes to exploit. So unfortunate, but a big reality check for them. But it'll it'll probably be a good thing that it's come early in the season they've got time to recover really analyze that game look at their deficiencies and and put some improvements in place yeah well that's right i mean you talk about their defense sort of struggled after that first sort of half an hour they were rushing up as a group and they were putting pressure on the hurricanes and making them make a few mistakes but then they just sort of lost a little bit of that structure the hurricanes got a few breaks and there was a little bit of inexperience i think from some of the back three you mentioned with Korobiti, their first try they were had English throwing it to Maddox sort of in the goal line and then um, him trying to throw another pass rather than just kicking it and getting it out and resetting and I think they're they have a lot of self-belief and I think it's almost brought them undone a little bit in this game because they they thought they'd be able to come out and do the same thing that they did versus the Sharks this week and they probably pushed a bit too hard a bit too early. So speaking of pushing hard early, what about Amanaki Mafia in that first half? Jesus, oh, massive! He, um, I mean, it's, it's it's great to see someone bringing that energy and and intent into the game. It worries me that he burnt up his eighty minutes or sixty minutes in forty. But wow, he was destructive when he when he had the ball and put some put some big hits on in defence as well. 
relishing the contact. You see that uh, kick return he brought up with the big uh, sort of early goose step, hopping yeah. hopping into his into his big run, and you know he, he was looking for people to take him on. And oh, that, I mean that's great, but the the guys around him need to look at that and be inspired by that and motivated and say, hang on, we can't let Amanaki be doing all this work. Like he, how many? He must have had. 10 or 11 runs. And yeah, he had uh, 10 carries. Oh, no, a total 15 carries for 107 metres in 40 minutes. And that's huge. That is absolutely huge. Like, where's Lepetti Tamani? Where's Angus Cottrell in that? Like, those guys, there's other loose forwards, some of the uh, tight forwards. Like, they, they need to be taking some of that workload off him so you can save those moments for when you're running at a tired prop in the 59th minute and trying to make something out of it. So... Uh, like awesome, inspiring kind of play from Amanaki Murphy, but uh, I, w- I would temper it a little. And someone probably needs to get them together as a group and say, "This guy's bringing it. What are you guys doing? Can't have him carrying the entire workload. You've got to, you've got to do more for each other." Yeah, and someone that in the past we've always seen making a few of those big runs is someone like Adam Coleman. And I feel like this season, especially the last couple of weeks, we've sort of lost a little bit of that those big runs, that, that bit of physicality. And I'm I'm not sure if it's because he's now got the added responsibility as captain and he's sort of thinking a bit more about, you know, staying back and making sure he's in good sort of defensive line or he's looking to try and push other people into those roles. But I haven't really seen what we sort of expect out of him in the last few games. We did see it early. I remember talking about him in the first round or two and being really impressed. But I think you're right. And- when, you, when you're captaining a side, you do maybe need to be half a step back considering what's happening, what, what the opposition are throwing at you. And if it maybe he's feeling like he needs to call more guys into the line and, and help set the defensive line, uh, or maybe he in attack he's, he's thinking about supporting the runner, making sure as a, you know, he's a senior player, you might give, give one of the younger guys the ball to run up and then he's there making sure he secures the ball over the ruck, get them some quick phases, mm. all that sort of thing. Like it's, There's a lot more to think about when you're captaining. You've got to be analysing what's going on all the time and, and talking to your team, making adjustments along the way. And maybe maybe that is distracting him from just pure impact play. But um, look, I'm sure he'll find that form again. He's There's plenty of other leaders in that side. They just need more time together. Um, and, and when those forwards do get some more go forward, we'll, we'll see people like Debrasini and Meeks getting more opportunity to distribute the ball out wide because, again, like I don't think... I think Korobiti still yeah, had, went off with no runs. carries. Yeah, zero, zero runs. So no no carries for Korobiti. He's one of your quick, you know, lightning quick attacking weapons out wide. If you can't get him the ball, that's... We should credit the Hurricanes' defense on that as well. But the it's the forward platform. If you can't get that, your halfback can't distribute the ball. Your inside backs get closed up. They start throwing... You know, loopy cutout passes, and we we mentioned that last week. I specifically said that they won't be able to get away with that against the Hurricanes, and they're lucky that Bowden Barrett was slightly offside because he did rip off a loopy yeah, pass from Maddox at exactly. one point. Having said that, I think um I think Maddox almost I think Maddox ripped off one of theirs, so they both probably needed to tone it down a little bit. But um yeah, look, the, the Hurricanes are a quality side. You've got to be on your game even when you're at home, and uh, the Rebels are a young driven outfit, they'll they'll get a lot out of that game. And, yeah, at least they've got the toughest New Zealand team behind them. Yeah, that's true. And and positives, I think we saw. Uh, we saw Aranu uh, Rangi struggle a little bit in that first half, but we saw their scrum get a bit short up when Jordan Ulysses came back on and he looked like yes. he was looking good again. 
definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. He did look better when he came on. Yeah. And talking about the Hurricanes, I mean, we can talk about any position on the park, but I, I think we probably do have to mention big Ben Lamb uh, putting together four tries. And, God, he was just such a powerful runner. He's such a big guy, and he's just got deft hands and pace. I mean, he got that sort of... He was lucky to probably get that bounce from that kick across field. Uh, mm. But to his credit, he pounced on it, and, yeah, he outran Corobiti and got all the way down to the line. Yeah, great game from Ben Lamb. Uh, he was the... Was he the sevens player who's come in? Yeah, yeah, so he's played sevens for many years. Showing those multi-skills, he's, he's very aware of uh, space on the field and, and making the most of that, so... Uh, great game from him, and I thought Perinara was was great. I do enjoy watching the the Kiwi scrum halves really directing the traffic and and getting their team uh, moving forward. Like the, a good general, like a Perinara and Aaron Smith, they stand behind the line in defence. They're calling guys into position. They are steering the team. It's such a mm. such a critical uh, factor. It's such, such a critical role in a team. Um, not specifically that it's a halfback, but just that you have that general. It's, it's often the halfback. And it's saying that Wilgenia does well as well, which is good. Um, and, the, and the Hurricanes just lethal on the counterattacks, but finding all that space out wide and down the field and so many weapons to play with, like it's just a, a wealth. And, and, and they still don't have Nahum Milden Scudder in that team. Milden Scudder is still out there and he's going to come back into that team. Where <laughs> where can he come better. back into that team though? They're already like they've proctored to the bench because Arso's had to come back on. Like you it's just absurd. have no space at all. This is why this is the top team in the comp, and and they've got depth. Like we, we I, I believe the Rebels have some pretty good depth, but it's just a whole other tier of of ability and skill with the Hurricanes that that they have that embarrassment of wealth. Oh, yeah. Uh, still on their bench. Oh, yeah. And they have Dan Coles to come back. You got your All Blacks hooker to come back in. For Dan, yeah, Dan Coles. Coles. Yeah. 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 And another really quality <laughs> player. Another pilferer. So yeah. that's some more ball for them, more counter attack. That's right. Oh, it's just great, great to watch. Uh, don't pass up opportunities to watch the Hurricanes play this year. They're, they're putting on a masterclass. Yeah, exactly. Well, Hurricanes are heading home and the Rebels have a bye coming up and they've got a week to prepare before they face the Haguaris at home. Uh, so that'll be a good challenge for them moving forward. Let's let's go forward to the other the Australian Derby of the weekend down in Canberra and the Brumbies and the Waratahs. And what? mighty Waratahs, they did they got the win. The Waratahs twenty four to seventeen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you'd call it a mighty win, uh, but they got the win and they came away with the points. And bad news for the Waratahs for Lau. Hurt his hamstring. Good news for the Brumbies. Pocock came back and put in 80 minutes. Where do you yeah. want to start, Leo? Uh, we'll start with the home team. The The Brumbies were they were down on the, where they were a couple of weeks ago. It really raved about how much variety they were showing in attack. And I just didn't see that uh, this time around. They, they dropped back into some more uh, traditional Brumbies-style play. Um, but they were having trouble at their line out. At times, they they did concede a few turnovers, uh, and a lot of their a lot of the time they had the ball, they were they were kicking downfield, just trying to clear the twenty two and and get some territory. Um, they they just didn't show enough in attack, and they had the opportunity in a in a Waratahs lineup that had early changes with Falau going off to try and capitalise on that. 
um, to, to, you know, get, get a bit of momentum against a team that was having to reshuffle and were probably a little bit shaken to lose someone like Falau that early. And credit to the Brummies, their defense was pretty solid. There, there were some counterattacks off the, off the pilfering of Pocock. How good is it to see Pocock's just straight back into the rucks and, and dominating? Oh, he's a rock. You just can't move him when he gets over that ball. It doesn't matter who's running at him. He'll just take yeah. the hit. And the, the Wallabies, oh, so much so so much uh, good news for the Wallabies that, that he can put in 80 minutes and be that effective. So I'm, I'm sure Checker was sitting watching and just licking his lips going, oh, thank God, oh, he's back. He's back yeah. for me. That's it. And But, you know, when, when it comes down to winning, winning a game, grinding it out, the, the Brumbies had opportunities late in the piece. The Waratahs pushed over their scrum. They had lineouts which were stolen, and then malls that were killed off, and mm. and they just couldn't do it. And again, that that's what we used to consider their bread and butter, the set piece. So a bit of reflection for them. They they just didn't look quite side they were a couple of weeks ago. So there's probably a bit of analysis there to compare what what did they do right in that uh, match a fortnight ago compared to the Waratahs. Yeah, and I mean they're gonna keep facing more challenges. They've got the Reds coming to town next week as well. I mean, a few positives in their forwards. We talked about Pocock. I think Lachlan McCaffrey continues to stand up and um, show some good skills as a bit of a distributor, um, staying a bit wide and unleashing when he gets sort of the ball first or second out from the ruck, being able to look and make a decision whether to pass or run. And he's good to have a second person like that out in the backs, and that's what you need to have in your back row. It's almost how Hooper sort of acts for the, the Waratahs. He's able to stand out wide take a hit, but also to unleash some of their outside backs. Unfortunately, we didn't see much of their outside backs really getting unleashed in this game. No, they um they did seem to be focused on the, the centre channel. I think that was po- probably a tactic because they, they did have the wingers coming in quite often, uh, running off the inside shoulder and, and trying to really drag the Waratahs into the centre of the field. Uh, and you're right, they, they probably missed opportunities to to spread the ball wide when, when there was space. That, I sort of think that was maybe because some of their some of their guys, and this is one of the, I suppose, the negatives about their game on, on Saturday, they they didn't seem like they were coming onto the ball with a whole lot of pace. Like they were they were very static when they were receiving. They just didn't look energized, running onto the ball, forcing the, the defense to make decisions. And then th- those are the sort of situations you need to create to have the opportunity to spin it right wide, having dragged in a lot of the defense and, and flat-footed them. So mm. that's something they need to find. They need to they need to look at some of these New Zealand teams and even some of the South African teams. We'll talk about the Sharks again later, but the way those the Sharks forwards ran onto every pass, that's, that's a model that the Brumbies should probably have a look at, I think. Yeah, it completely changes your whole game when you can do that. Though I've got to say, I do like Hawera at 10, and I hope that... Australian rugby is going through the motions of trying to get him eligible for Australia because I think he's a young player with a lot of potential. He's 24, and you have sort of what we have our 10, backup 10 in sort of Foley and Lance at the moment, maybe Kirtley Beal, but they're all sort of late 20s, moving into 30s in a couple of years. I think he's a really good player that if you develop... I really hope they're looking to try and get him into Australian rugby because I think he could be a future 10. So what's his situation at the moment? I'm not that familiar. 
Oh, he's a New Zealand resident, um, New Zealand citizen, but he's 24 years old. So you have to play here for, I think, three years to gain some sort of residency status um, before they can look at getting him eligible to compete and be selected for the national team, which I think is only another year, but I, I'm not sure whether they've actually started that process or not. But I, I really hope they're looking into doing that. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not not in the vein of trying to poach talent from another country, but he's obviously come over here because he's not getting opportunities with the New Zealand super sides. He must have um, come come across looking for opportunities. So, yeah, and the, and the Brummies do have, I guess, opportunity there to keep him in as a 10, free up Christian Lilifano. Uh, or, you know, they've got Godwin there as well, who I thought came off the bench pretty strongly too. Mm. Um they've got some op- options there if they can get someone solid in at 10 and build a combination with another young player like Joe Powell. Yeah, definitely. I just think he's a good front foot player and he's a good goal kicker as well. He's got a big boot on him, can kick uh, penalties from 50 metres. He's got pretty good all-round play. But yeah. let's let's go on the other side of the ball. Let's have a look at the Waratahs. And look, it wasn't spectacular, but they did what they needed to do and they ground out the win. Yeah, and, and just looking back at some of the stats, they had a number of knock-ons that were turned over by Pocock and some of the other Brumbies players. Uh, not too many penalties, but they did concede penalties in scrums, line-outs, and at the ruck. So they kind of let themselves down a little bit all over the park. Uh, losing Falau, obviously you never like to see a player go off, and, and it's always disruptive to go that early. But Newsom came on and I thought played really well. He was straight yeah. in. Straight into contact, involved all over the field from the get-go, and, and that was really positive. He's he's a really good player and may, may find his way off the bench for the next few games. I, I think there's definitely a chance he uh, solidifies a position in the starting 15 like you guys were talking about earlier in the season. Uh, I think definitely. He was good under the high ball as well, took a few couple of um, high balls pretty safely. It was good. Yeah. But they, they did look like they were over-committing to rucks uh, and forcing attack, which is a theme that I think we're seeing in the Australian sides. We mention it probably each week that we think we, we feel we're watching a team which is playing with urgency, but uh, not not the sort of urgency that's you know supporting their uh, fellow players at, at every ruck and and uh, making sure they're back in the line ready for the next phase. But but the urgency that they're they're really forcing the attack, trying. Uh, maybe the little attacking kicks or pushing pushing an extra pass, you know, getting into contact where it's it's a bit messy. You've got arms around the ball, or up, you know, players holding up uh, the the runner in the tackle, and they're trying to pop offloads, and it's not really on. And I just feel that they need to simplify what they're doing. They need to take the ball, take the ground, look for those quick phases, and wait for the defence to become a bit fractured or get concentrated to one side or in the centre of the field, and, and those opportunities will come. I just I hate seeing a team playing without patience. And the Waratahs and Brumbies both struggling to get many phases together, but the Waratahs, you know, between the handling errors and turnovers, they, they didn't give themselves many opportunities to attack. They they weren't working very efficiently at the ruck. The the forwards didn't, didn't look like they were banding together into little pods and, and making sure the ball was secure, so... Still plenty to work on there, but having said that and not wanting to be all negative, they, they did have some really great moments in attack and some great individual brilliance. 
and importantly got a win down in Canberra, which is a, a tricky place to win, and they'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, that's true, and I think I know what you're talking about with that impressive set-piece play, that that uh, scrum where they had sort of the second-man play and then Foley came around with the wrap and popped up to Newsom, who... Oh, that was great. It was just perfectly all pinpoint passes, and Newsom did perfectly drifted out wide, and Tank Kelly held his line and just waited there, knowing that Newsom would look to just offload, pop that up for Tank Kelly's second try of the game. And that's and that's a perfect example where you, you've, you've demonstrated that the Waratahs have the capability to execute a complex play like that. But if you try and replicate that that particular play, like no no coach says on the fourth phase we're going to do this. They it's, you don't plan like that. You you look at what the defense is doing. You wait for them to get a bit thin to the left or the right. And then you start making call like we're going to try this set play mm. off this ruck because the opposition aren't set up to defend it, and that's what I don't think I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing them trying the complex trick plays or or just forcing offloads when it's not really on. And it is coming down to having a halfback and fly half that can direct you and halfback. You know, okay, no, we're going to go blind a couple of phases. You have the loose forwards taking up a few of these things while everyone gets a little bit sorted, and then you get a quick ball and you suddenly go. And you suddenly look to to push it out wide, but yeah, as you said, we're not we're not quite there yet, and it's something coaches need to continually keep pushing. I know it's not something you can make changes to mid season. I mean, I think that's partly what we're seeing that's brought the Brumbies un, unstuck a little bit. They're trying to push very hard to completely switch their game into this really out wide attacking through the outer channels rather than going through their set pieces and. All we're seeing is that their attack out wide isn't too crash hot and their set pieces are sort of stumbling a little bit as well. But there's some bright spots and if we're, as we do each week, we talk a little bit about who who we're looking at for for some green and gold honours and I think the ones for me from both sides, you've got Pocock had a great game, Jake Gordon was very strong, yeah. Ned Hannigan was everywhere yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, just dominating in contact. Kurunjani, Tavita Kurunjani, actually, I, I saw more of what TK's been in the past. I was I was impressed with him uh, uh, early, which is good. And then, yeah, McCaffrey and Newsom, we've already mentioned those guys had, had good individual games. So there's still plenty positive stuff to talk about. The, the cohesion of these two teams and the decision-making is still, I think, the, the biggest factor holding them back. Mate, what, what about the guy that scored four tries in two games? What about Tank well, Kelly? Well, Tank Kelly... Maybe I'm maybe I'm biased because I used to play in the forwards, but uh, I do feel like wingers just need to be in the right spot, catch and catch and put it down. You're you're a back, so you probably disagree. But no, that definitely uh, he had. A he ran game fifty meters. Well. He did. He did. I know. I know. Bumped off Henry Spate. Oh yeah, nah, too easy. Actually, yeah, Henry Spate's not. He the didn't best even have to bump him off. Henry Spate made a terrible decision. He hung yeah. back off him, gave him all this width, and just copped a big ass palm to the face. Mm. So. Actually, Spade, Spade had a yeah. Spade was a bit disappointing. <laughs> that late hit on Kirtley Beal was oh, completely such a great explosion, for. and, and that—that's the sort of thing when when it's we're too now typical seeing, for him. Yeah, when we're seeing some you know up and coming wide outside backs, that's the sort of nonsense that'll just keep him out of teams. Mm. Um, there's plenty of good players out there that aren't pulling those kind of shenanigans. But do you think Tank Kelly's making a bit of a run for a Wallaby jersey versus Ireland? 
I don't know enough about the Irish team to to be certain that uh, Novoro is the best match for a particular wing. I mean, he comes with obvious assets, um, but I don't. Again, I think there's a lot of we've got a lot of talent in the mix at the moment. Um, he's certainly in the conversation. I, I don't know if I could I could say definitively that he's that he's worthy of a starting fifteen or even a bench spot. He's a bit less adept than some of our wingers if we're talking about kicking games and probably that's the main thing for me is just the kicking game. He's, he doesn't really have that and we do have wingers who can support the fullback with a kicking game. So that's probably the one thing I would say is a detraction. But look, everything else he's doing is great and he's putting putting the points up so he's keeping his name up in lights. Yeah, definitely. And he's providing a bit of attacking flair which Waratahs might be lacking a little bit, especially with Falau likely being out for three to four weeks with that hamstring injury. Yeah. Next, let's move on to some of the Kiwi games. In the derby on Friday night, we had the Chiefs versus the Highlanders up in Waikato. And Chiefs coming off a big win versus the Sunwolves. Highlanders coming off a couple of tough games versus the Hurricanes and Crusaders. Um, And despite not the perfect game from the Chiefs, but they managed to string together enough attack to take the win. And, I mean, an early injury to Sopoanga didn't help the Highlanders' chances in this game. Yeah, that's another another Kiwi team losing a, a fly half is, not again, not the way you want to start a game. And that'll, that's got to have a huge impact. I think the Highlanders are a class side and would definitely have been... Um, I, would have given, I would have given them the tip after the way they started the game before he got injured. I, I would have... Like to have changed my tip to the Highlanders, but as soon as Sopwanga went down, I felt a little bit more confident in my Chiefs tip. Mm. But they're like a like a they're very erratic at the moment. Like they're maybe maybe it's their style of play, or maybe it's just the Damien McKenzie factor. Like things do seem more unpredictable um, with him a bit closer to the ruck in the inside. So that that's the word I, I had in my head when I was watching him: just erratic and disjointed at times. Like they had passes, people throwing passes, not not going to hand, going behind the line. Um, maybe that's positioning. Maybe it's not all the guy throwing the ball. I think I think McKenzie. I, I do agree that I think it becomes a bit more unpredictable when you have McKenzie at ten, and I still don't know about him at ten. I mean, you're right. A lot of his passes went behind people, and I think it was his passes going behind people more than people. I feel being like in the it probably position. was. A little bit more than yeah. than it was the positioning, and he had like two kick charge downs as well, where he's obviously not used to being quite under that amount of pressure, sort of on the front line when he's taking those kicks. So a little bit worrisome there, but somehow, like the ball goes down, it bounces along, someone runs back and gets it, pops it back up to like McKenzie, and then suddenly they somehow make a fifteen meter break and are suddenly back on the front foot. So. It doesn't look oh, like it should work, but it just works somehow. I yeah, think. you get you got to take the hot and the cold, I guess. And mm. and I feel like when he's at fullback and he gets more of those uh, more of those countering opportunities, more space, more broken play, you get more more wins than losses. Uh, at ten, it's probably closer to fifty fifty. And at least in this game, in this game, they obviously they got the win. They're at home. Their forwards really stood up. They all lifted for Kane's, Sam Kane's 100th game. Mm. Brody Retallick was huge. If you want to direct your second rowers, your locks to a prime example of a, of a guy injecting himself in all the right places and making good decisions, Brody Retallick, he, he was making line breaks, 
offloading the ball. But then when he knew he didn't have support, he was going to ground. He was protecting the ball, giving them a chance to uh, recover when he when he got a bit isolated. He's having a great season so far. He's he's one of the reasons they're they're doing as well as they are. Their, their lineouts he's he's saved a couple of times. Look, they they did have a few errors. They had a fair few knock ons early in the game, which didn't help and probably gave the Highlanders a bit of a leg up. But as the game wore on, they became more effective and and they did sort of grind out in in pretty good conditions uh, an important win in their conference. This actually takes me to a point I wanted to make because one of the big things I noticed with the Chiefs is how they used Liam Messam. And they kept using him as like their one pass off the ruck to Liam Messam and he would either look inside-outside, pop to a forward or unleash the backs behind him. And that just it completely threw off the Highlanders' defence because they didn't know what he was going to do and they couldn't read what he was going to do. And he was just taking it himself, would always get over the advantage line, and then every so often he'd pop it around the back to Damian McKenzie, who would just unleash their outside backs, and suddenly they'd be 20 metres down the field. And Ali Malu had a really good game at fullback for the first time as well in this. But it takes me to what I wanted to talk about, which is the perfect makeup of a back row. Plus or minus your hooker, because they often have a lot of these sort of um, skills as well. But there, there are five things that you need to have as attributes in your three back rowers. You need to have someone who can pilfer. You've got to have it. I don't think you can just rely on the hooker to do it, which I think is where the Rebels sometimes fall down a bit, not putting in like Colby Fainga. Yeah, sure. You have to have a ball carrier or like a big hits defender person. Now, this can be shared a bit with your second row, but you need to have a big one. These people like Jerome Kano, Jude Holloway should be this person, um, making those big metres when it's tight defence. And probably who's floating out in the wide backs, making those hits as well, like really putting a stop on a promising attack. Ah, just wait till my points, wait till... Ah. The next one is a line-out threat, because you need more than two second rows to be in the line-out. You need someone that can jump up. This is what Ned Hannigan does for us when he's playing at six. Perfect for that. You need a distributor, which is what Liam Messam was doing, and it's what Hooper often does, and it's what McCaffrey was doing as well. Um, and then you also need someone that does play wide and run lines. And that's also what you're talking about, stopping those outside sort of forwards. And Hooper and McCaffrey are often people that do that. And I'm not saying one person can't have two or even three of these qualities, but you need to have all five of those things addressed in your back row. And I think so many teams don't do it. And you really notice, because it's teams like the Chiefs, they definitely do it between having Luke Whitelock, um, Liam Messam, and Sam Kane, they definitely do all those three, all those five. And teams like the Hurricanes, they have a, a multitude of guys that can fill those five roles. And I think that's where we fall down in the Waratahs, and it's where we fall down in the Rebels. And I think as well, we've the Brumbies are almost working out. If they get Nicerani firing and Pocock back now, they will actually have a really solid back row with what's going on there. I can I can see. I mean, the Rebels, the Rebels. You want to see in that case, you want to see Murphy. Tamani and Fainga then because that those two don't really pilfer. Lepetti's your big line-out threat probably more than Murphy, but um, and is also a pretty big frame. Murphy's agile and, and fast out wide. Um, the not only, sure who's your distributor in yeah, that Yeah, that's in the that only situation. thing they sort of thing, and I don't know whether Fainga can play a little bit of that role, how his hands are, but that's the only thing they sort of will be lacking yeah. if they have those those guys firing. But you're absolutely right. Like The way 
Liam Messon played in that game, he would almost turn his back to the defence where he had to in order to make the pass. And, I mean, first of all, he's, he's risking he's risking a, a fairly big shot on his back, mm. but he's, he's disguising what's happening. He's got guys like McKenzie in motion. And, yeah, the, that was very effective. And the Highlanders didn't really uh, adjust to that. They were looking for guys like Messam coming at their line, putting a couple of guys on to tackle him. And probably when that third, when a third guy was in range, he was looking for the pass. When there was only two, he might have tried to sort of step into the line, take the contact, and release an arm to offload. Um, really good tool, and and that's a that's a long-standing uh, relationship between him and guys like McKenzie and their other backs and their scrum half. Um, the other thing I think the Highlanders sort of let them down when they lost Sopoanga. Aaron Smith was still playing well. Ben Smith, I think, sort of had a bit of a quiet game in this one. He was, yeah. Very quiet. I didn't really notice him doing too much. He was solid at the back, but none, none of those sort of trademark sort of attacking sort of from the quick turnover, getting downfield, putting pressure on, all those runs where he's breaking through the line from about 50, 60 metres out and setting something up. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes as well. So I had Aaron Smith, really great game, screaming at the forwards, marshalling that defence, awesome player. Uh, then that they didn't use their weapons enough. They've got guys like Ben Smith... Uh, who can uh, really break open a game. And they, you didn't see enough of him. You didn't get to inject often enough. Uh, they did they did put up a few bombs in the second half, but still didn't seem to get, get the rub of the bounce if it bounced or you know didn't get any early turnovers from that for the counter. And then they, they always looked like they were capable of breaking out. they get some momentum, but then... Their forward play just wasn't quite clinical enough. They'd, they'd drop the ball or they'd uh, concede a turnover. There was a forward pass there late in the game. Like Just just those little areas that sort of unpicked their attack a little bit. And, yeah, it's interesting how whether it's losing that one player or maybe just the pressure of the moment, you know, it's an important game. You can't quite mm. stitch it all together and yeah, squeak out so. a They did. They squeaked, squeaked out a win. Chiefs 27, Highlanders 22 to end that game. And let's look down at the Blues, and we, you already mentioned the Sharks. They took this game 63-40, to 40, which is a crazy score. But it was a bit of the Dupree show between Robert Dupree's and his brother, Jean-Luc Dupree's, uh, in seven. They really were just running over a bit of an injury-riddled Blues team that had a few sort of change rounds in positions this week. Daddy's not picking favourites. Daddy's picking some good players. And those two brothers were just lethal. Like, yeah, Robert Dupree guiding the team around, pu- pushing pushing his own agenda a little bit, pu- saying, well, let's take these penalties, let's accumulate some points, you know, really, really quality with the boot. And then uh, Jean-Luc was just enormous in, in running the ball. He put some big hits on, but the way he was breaking through the line and just, just leaving the Blues defenders for dead, like, he did just he's obviously a big physical guy very strong mm. and he just channeled all of that straight into his runs uh in this game and it was just devastating like that's that's a guy that a lot of a lot of 10s and 12s are going to be a bit concerned about having to tackle when next time they face a, a South African team or maybe the Springboks like just the the two of them and and um and Kerwin Bosch as well was was good for the Sharks good Fairly good kicking game. Oh, he's a um, monster boot, doesn't he? Monster boot and and well well positioned. I think he kicked mm. one out on the full, but he generally speaking, he was 
he was pretty good with his decision making there, when to kick long for, for territory and, and when to put it up uh, up high and chase. And he was effective in the chase. And again, I've only I've only got a few uh, notes here for the Sharks conceding penalties. Like they had a yellow card in the second half, uh, which was that's a lazy high tackle by the, yeah, the winger. That's, but... I mean, that's just that's just the standard that's been set. Like it's. The, it didn't derail them, which is good, but they were just so cohesive and, and offloading, driving the tackle, putting together all these phases and, and hitting the advantage line every time. So really positive for them that, that they can put that together because they're, they're on their tour. They've got... What's their next game? Are they... Oh, they uh, they're going to Wellington, mate. Going, going to Wellington. So I'll tell you what, it's about, about the right time to find some form if you think you're in with a shot. Um yeah, I hope maybe maybe they've played their best game, but I'll tell you what, it would be a cracker game if they can repeat some of that form. No, and I think the Blues sort of suffered a little bit, as we, we've talked about their injuries, but they sort of put, because of the injury to Sonny Bill, they changed their 10 to the young pair of Fita, and then they have Sam Nock rather than Pulu um, in at 9. Their, their, 10, uh, their 9, 10, 12 sort of combinations was very new, and I think you saw it... Um, I don't think Rico Iwani is much of a 12. I think he's 13 or outside. Um, I think that sort of stunted a little bit of the Blues attack. I think they did still look good in patches, but it's it's more all individual sort of brilliance. You you have the token try to both the Iwani brothers, as apparently it's just mandatory in every Blues game now. Um, Put them in your fantasy side. Yeah, definitely have them in your fantasy. You had like... A good break straight through the Sharks line by Tuipilotu, the big second rower, who went on a big gallop down to the try line. But other than that, I just didn't see a lot of the sort of the interplay here and not looking promising for the Blues to try and lift themselves out of sort of that fifth position in the New Zealand conference at the moment. Yeah, and they've, they've been dealt a, a rough hand, but they haven't, they haven't got that leadership. They're not, they're not trying to do much more than a lot of one-out plays. Again, their guys are starting... Starting their runs pretty static. Uh, late in the game, they they looked lethargic. They looked down. You know, they they strung it together late in the first half mm. and came charging back with some points. And, and I was I was thinking they were going to run the sharks down if the sharks didn't come out with a good second half. But they really only found their spark briefly there. And, and was a Parafeta. Yeah, Parafeta had that. Parafeta. Big... He he had a not a bad game, but you're right. He didn't have. The, he hasn't got the established connection with his nine and his twelve. I agree, Rico Ioannis probably belongs further out, and you know he could be he could be pretty handy when they get Augustine Pulu back. A team ravaged by by injury. Um, good that they can still score forty, but it's the it's the defense. You know, if you score forty points, you should be able to win. You should be winning that game. You shouldn't be letting through sixty three. That's just atrocious. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but, I mean, I guess we'll see see now how the Blues sort of bounce back from that. Uh, hopefully they'll get Pulu back soon um, just to help establish a little bit more direction in that team. Let's go forward to the South African games and the Bulls versus the Stormers. And we, all three of us thought the Stormers would establish a little bit of dominance in this conference, but turned into a bit of a Adrian Strauss and a Maul show with the Bulls um, winning 33-23 to over the Stormers. And they got away early, didn't they? That didn't take long at all for a bit of forward dominance to come out. And Adrian Strauss, had, I think he'd scored about 12 tries in his 
long career thus far, and then he put three three more on <laughs> on on Saturday, late Saturday night, Sunday morning. So they they were pretty complete. The the Bulls they they conceded penalties in a lot of different areas, but they they held their D together. They're another big team. They're playing as a team. The set piece wasn't wasn't dominant, but they were so aggressive in their attack and defense. They just they really had the Stormers done for energy and, and intent early on. Um, and again, p- picking out a few individuals, Creel so dangerous. That, that that guy at thirteen is he's got a lot of different skills. He's he's creating a lot of opportunities for them. So if he keeps yeah, he's uh, coming back into form now, I think, a little bit. He's been a bit on the outside, but he's starting to really fire and his runs are just looking really damaging. He's, he's not getting brought down by the first tackle any time. Yeah, he's big. He's a he's a big big shoulders, a big sort of top-heavy frame, but he's very strong. And, and outside Pollard, who was showing a lot of skills, a lot of variety in the attack, tactical kicking was really good. The, the whole combination from 9, 10, 12, 13 seemed to be firing really well. Um, the forwards weren't so consistent, thought the lineouts were a bit poor, and they probably lost a few opportunities for points from the forwards, but backline was just so solid, and, and the forwards were coming onto the ball at pace when they, when they were engaged. So that was like really, really positive for them. And, and for the cellar dwellers of the, of the South African conference, it's, it's another home team victory. Yeah, which was actually a little bit rare in this uh, round, this game. Um, did did you see the yellow card to Peter Steftatoit? Yes. That was yeah, I did. So I'll I'll run our listeners through what happened. So it was a maul, and one of the Bulls players had fallen on the ground trying to sack, but had just gone on the ground, and they were pretty much walking on top of him. As as happens in any game, you fall down under a maul. People do it to try and slow things down. He got stepped on his head. Well, back of the neck, head. And obviously, put up a bit of hand, bit of a yell, obviously it hurt. They went back and reviewed that. And it was ruled that Peter Steftatoit, though he was definitely not looking back at him, he had probably had no idea where this guy was. He's just driving forward and pushing off the ground. He got yellow carded because it's a dangerous action. And they said they used the word reckless, which I think is the the defining factor in whether something's just a penalty in a, in a chat or a card. If Surely you, the if reckless you... action in that is the guy deciding to go onto the ground underneath a mall. Yeah, look, it's, it's not where you want to be, obviously. That's but reckless, mate. That's throwing yourself underneath a um... car. Yeah. No, I trust me, I wouldn't throw myself under Peter's step to toy either. But again, you've got to, you've got to wonder, professional players, they know what it's like to be in a mall your head's down, you're charging, you feel something under your feet. If you have half an idea that one of their players might be what you're treading on, to put a couple of extra boots in after that, and they were like he got he got a half a half foot across a guy, and he he would have known he's not on the ground. He's he's sorry, he would have known that his foot's not in the ground. He would have been standing on something or someone, and he did put a couple of decent pushing heels into into whatever was there after that. Maybe maybe he knows. He didn't put up that much of a fight when he went off. He looked kind of surprised, but he certainly wasn't complaining all that much. If that's the line, then that's the line. That's that's what they're going to stick with. It's just got to be consistent. Uh, I Personally, I don't know if I'd say it was reckless. Yeah. It's, it's hard when, when, that, when they've said as well, as you said, 
they've established he didn't see the play. I don't know if they said they didn't know it. He wouldn't have known he was there. Well, they said like, it's non-intentional. That's what they said. Yeah, so, like, what what else is the guy supposed to do? He, he, he held himself upright, and he was really, you know, contesting with the, the other defender who was up in his face. So, you know, you've got to put your feet somewhere, and you've got to, you've got to push on something. So, yeah, maybe a bit of a harsh call. Um, would it have changed the game? Not sure. It was, it was early on in the in the second half. So more points came after that. They they put down another try. So you just got to be more careful. That's just what they're they're going to rule. If if anything, anyone who's in a position like that, if they think you're being reckless at all, not you know having having trodden on him once, aren't taking a bit more care to not do it again. Maybe that's the line. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a you don't dangerous. Convinced. I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. Now there's another reason that you might. Oh, I'll just put myself onto the ground here. If anyone touches me in the head, I'm just going to grab and make a big fuss, and they're they're going to get a yellow card. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job at. I think they're doing a good job at um at stopping guys playing up penalties and things. They've already they've already curtailed the the scrum halves intentionally throwing the ball into retreating players. Like that is true. I I, I think they're onto it. And and you know the Stormers in this game, generally speaking, they couldn't find a rhythm. Willemsu was off all night. Mm. They're they're. 10, 10, 11, and 15 all, all made errors under pressure. And, and that was the Bulls, you know, being aggressive in defense and, and making sure that the Stormers didn't have much room to play with. So I think I think that's a legitimate win. There were some good players. You know, Leeds and Khaleesi and Detoy were all good for the Stormers, but cards too much to bear, perhaps. Yeah, well, they did, they did get two yellow cards in that game with Allende going off early as well. Uh, so, I mean, that makes things a bit more murky in the South African Conference again, looking forward. Uh, yeah. Last game in this round, uh, we have the Lions versus the Crusaders, and Lions, the losing streak continues now. Two losses on the trot. Uh, they went down to the Crusaders, 8 to the Crusaders, 14, so a low-scoring game. Yeah, and I, I don't have too much to say about this one. I just, the, the Crusaders just prove time and time again they've got a clinical attack. They're, they're the model team for great decision making if the if the hurricanes are blessed with talent the crusaders are doing some similar things with less talent they're across the park they're just so well drilled Mm. they probe they offload when they feel they've got the opportunity they're they're creating a lot of opportunities um you know and they're leaving some out there they're not forcing it but they're they're definitely taking the opportunities and they play out advantage really well it's a simple simple running rugby with a good structure and, and heaps of support from their teammates. It's it's a simple game, really, if you want to boil Break it down it. to that. Yeah. Well, they, they did benefit. They had Matt Todd coming back for this game, and he put in a good show, uh, really provided a, a bit more go forward and a few sort of good pilfering opportunities and things as well. Um, and then I think I really enjoy watching George Bridge play for the Crusaders. I mean, he... Is really good on the wing. He's really solid and he's quick and he manages to put big hits on when he needs to. And I think it's a testament to him that he's been able to keep that spot locked down when you have Tamani Valo on the other side and Matteo on the bench that both seem to provide a big spark. Um, incidentally, they, they are uncle and nephew, I, I heard on the broadcast this, this week. I didn't realise that. Matteo is the nephew of Tamani Valo somehow. Yeah. Um, but I think George Bridge is really putting up his hand as a really key player in that team this season and has really helped their back three sort of um, go forward and provide a bit of spark when they're, they're attacking from that uh, sort of 40 metres out onto those lines. Yeah, definitely. 
the Lions with their their fairly high energy in a, in the nicest possible way. I, I often refer to it as rabid because it just seems so frenetic and it's it's just about overwhelming the other team with your energy and and your attack. But mm. they they can't seem to get the games to string together with. Um, you know, it's night, nice, tight discipline and good ball handling, and yeah, it's just the discipline and the errors letting them down. And you know, some teams are getting really focused in their defence on on tackling players and you know, really driving up onto the ball and causing these errors. Like, I don't think it's all bad handling and and you know, carrying too upright necessarily. I think teams are really targeting the ball in their contact. But yeah, the Lions need to need to work on that and and make sure their discipline isn't getting in the way of. Uh, competing yeah um i think it comes a bit down to what you're saying like the cohesion in the lines just doesn't quite seem there and i think if you look back at their teams they are swapping and changing a lot of their especially in their centers their number 12 and their wings they're changing a lot and also in their sort of back row they're changing a, a lot around and i think it's just causing a little bit of difficulty and i think it's i mean we keep saying it i think partly it's not having warren whiteley in there I think they did find a bit of a talent. Um, they're number eight this game. Uh, Daimani uh, is a big body, but he's quick and he'll play out wide. And he looks a bit more in the vein of sort of Warren Whiteley-esque rather than what Quagga Smith was offering at eight. So I think that's a sort of good sign for them. But they look like they had the intent is there to play how they have in previous years, but they just not quite stringing things together. I mean, they were lucky, I think, not to be down a bit more in this game. I think that first the first try that got called back for the Crusaders because they said uh, um, Hunt threw a forward pass to Bridge out wide. I think. Yeah. I think. I've, Disagree with that one. I don't know. I think in 80, 90% of times, there's no way they go back and check that on a video replay of that forward pass. It's in line. And it's just because they had the camera like right there. And they're talking about, oh, no, it didn't come forward. But it's like, okay, it's momentum. He's running forward and throwing the Yeah, ball. I didn't think it was forward. forward. Yeah. So I think they were lucky not to go down there more. But, I mean, strong defensive effort, I think, which we wanted to see a bit more from the Lions uh, after that sort of hiding in South America. Um, So to restrict the Crusaders to 14, I mean, it's a small positive, but it's still a positive to take into um, another week sort of down the road. So, bro, it brings us time to our Australian 15 of the round, I think. Uh, we only had the three teams to pick from, but we've we've done what we can. We've, we've got some good individuals and some good team players who, who filled in gaps for their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to take us through the forwards, Arch? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I was picking through these, and, uh, I mean, I had a bit of a struggle picking a good front three for us uh, in this because I don't think any of the Australian scrums were really too outstanding. Uh in the props, uh, I've given it to uh, um, Tom Robinson and Alan Alalatoa, uh, the Tars-Brumbies sort of combination here. Uh, both both props that probably are on the opposite side to establish Wallabies with CO and Sakopi, but neither of those two really stepped up in this game. I think these guys more or less held their own. It was a pretty fierce scrum battle between the Tars and the Brumbies, and they both managed, especially Alan Alatoa, had a few runs out wide and kept sort of putting himself in situations uh, to take the ball up into contact and make the advantage line. I uh, partnered him in hooker with the young hooker, Falau Fainia, for the Brumbies, who's really taken hold of this opportunity he's got after we saw sort of the injuries to Man Ray and 
We're seeing Robbie Abel sort of coming back for the Brumbies off the bench at the moment. But I think Falafying is going to hold his spot. Um, he was getting himself very involved early. Uh, first 20 minutes, he was all around the park. He was distributing, getting the ball, passing it through the backs to another forward and really being physical in contact and also taking on some defenders and making some good tackles. He did sort of drop off towards the second half of the game, but I think he's got enough skills there. I saw enough that I think he can build into probably a better-looking sort of hooker going forward. Then in uh, the second row, I've gone Rory Arnold. I thought he stepped up for the Brumbies this week and had a much more promising-looking game than what I've seen from him in the first couple of weeks. And I partnered him with Matt Phillip, who I think is outplaying his captain uh, counterpart uh, in the second row down at the Rebels at the moment. Uh, is always looking for work, is always hungry to take the ball into contact and willing to provide his extra weight to the ruck to try and get that clean ball for Will Genioich. Although he wasn't quite getting it in this game, uh, every time Matt Phillip got went into the ruck, you could see the whole thing sort of shift forward. And I think he's got a good work rate and I think he he's going to be challenging to be at least on the bench, I think, for the Wallabies this year. In the back row, uh, we've put... The Brumbies 6 and 7. I know you probably could argue whether Michael Hooper should have been there, but I think there's no stronger statement than David Pocock made coming back in, making 80 minutes, doing some promising-looking turnovers and really changing a lot of the attacking. We really stopped a lot of the attacking sort of waves of the Waratahs in their tracks, and I think that's really great. As I said before, Czech is probably licking his lips, and Lachlan McCaffrey continues to string together some solid performances at six, playing a bit wider, um, as I said before, in that bit more of that distributor role. And then I partnered them with Amanaki Murphy. He only played 40 minutes, but he ran over 100 metres. It was almost a third of the Rebels attacking metres, and he did it in 40 minutes. He completely gassed himself because he wasn't getting any help from anyone else. But if someone can just look at how he takes the ball off Genia to hit the line, if you look, I think it's probably about five minutes into that game and the Rebels are just starting to get into the Hurricanes half. They're about 30 metres out. They've done like one straight out hit from a Rebel forward just standing still, gets tackled. And then you see just from the back of the screen a Monarchy Murphy sprinting so hard at this line and Genny's just like, yep, he's getting the ball. And the Hurricanes all know it's coming, but you can't, you can't stop that. You can't stop 100 kilos running at like 30 k's an hour straight at you. He's going to make metres. He's going to break tackles. And if, even if you take him down, you're going to have some sore Hurricanes forwards that are going to be getting up and going, oh, God, don't do that to me again. Yeah, tell you what, there's some of the backs in this group that we've picked that would not want to face up to a rampaging Amanaki Murphy. Oh, hell uh, and, and, I mean, I just look at that list you've been through and where Lockie McCaffrey was not on anyone's radar at the start of this year. He's done such a good job in that in that Brumby side. So credit to him. That's that's he's really made his mark. It's a good job. Tell you what I just realized as well, there's only one Waratah in that forward pack that we've picked. And it's Tom Robertson. And it's the team that won, the only Australian team that won this weekend. We've picked one of the forwards from them. Just shows you they didn't win all that cleanly, but they'll still take the points. Mm. Uh, don't worry, there's there's some Waratahs in the backs and that they're the ones that scored the points. So we'll <laughs> we'll kick off with Jake Gordon at halfback. Coming back into the side from injury and, you know, help direct his team around was good, solid service from the base of the ruck from early in the game. And that's all you can ask from your scrum half. He, 
You want it firm on the chest, out in front, making sure you're calling forwards into play. And, and he's, he's doing a good job there. I, I don't know when Phipps is due back, uh, but I'm, I'm not too worried, to be absolutely honest. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Jake Gordon. Had some nice snipes down the blind side as well, where he sort of just sees that space and, yeah, takes it on and really puts you on the go forward. Yeah, that's right. You need that. You need that out of your scrum half. You, you need to make sure the the defense is staying honest around the ruck and not just ignoring those close channels. And then we we pair him with Paranuri Herrera, who we think is is still playing some really quality uh, rugby at fly half and had a, had a more consistent game perhaps. Bernard Foley being in the winning side, uh, you could argue that he deserves a place in this lineup, but. You know, missing a few kicks, a little bit out of form, throwing some loose passes that Farinari Herrera may not have done quite as much in attack, but he certainly didn't cost his team too much in, in attack or defense. So we're, we'll take the consistency over the, the uh, flashy moments in this in this 15 this week. And then into the centers, and, and we'll take a all Waratahs center pairing in Curtly Beal and Curtis Rona. Uh, solid, didn't, didn't probably get as much ball in spaces as we'd like we, we look forward to seeing more of these guys uh in in space against some other teams later this season but forming a, a pretty good partnership there and and curtis rona is a decent foil to to curtly beal and you've got a mixture of distribution speed size uh and and pretty strong in defense which we probably wouldn't have if you'd asked me a few years ago if curtly beal and a league convert were going to be a, a strong defense <laughs> Center pair, defensive center pairing. I, I might not have put too much money on it, but they they are developing a good combination there, and we're liking what we're seeing. And we'll take a pair of Waratahs wingers as well, and not the starting winger Falau. Unfortunately, you can't pick a guy off four minutes play. But um, it was Alex a good Newsom, run. That one run he did was good. It was a good run. It was a good. <laughs> but he broke himself. So he did. Yeah, got it. Alex Newsom came on and brought energy. Didn't didn't let his side down. Injected well through those set piece moves. Obviously, he's been reading his textbook pretty closely and, and was ready to go, which is great. That's, that's as much as you can ask from your bench player. They can step on and immediately have impact and look like they've been training with these guys all week. So, fantastic from him. And, and to Kelly with the finishing, knows where to be, can put a can put a pretty big palm on on a winger opposite, and, and he certainly did that for Spate. So, look, the, these guys in the outside backs of the Waratahs, good to know we've got that depth there. They're playing well together, and, and there are some good combinations forming between the wingers and the and the inside backs. And then at fullback, we we toss this one around a bit, but we actually think uh, Muirhead for the Brumbies had a had a fairly solid game uh, in a losing side, but but actually gave gave his team a bit of impact in defence, uh, and and also created a few opportunities in attack. Things didn't go the Brumbies' way this week, but uh, for a guy who hasn't been playing their their 15 consistently he's worked his way into the starting side and and we think he's earned his spot now starting side too yeah that's big props from your head he's put together a couple of solid performances there and to the build corp super w i mean we mentioned a, a bit earlier that the other game in the round we had the the rebels women uh taking on the brumbies down in in melbourne at amy park and the rebels women just not quite up to the same standard i think at the moment i think they're They've got some young talent there, but they're still looking to develop a little bit. Uh, couldn't, couldn't put too many points on in this game. The Brumbies taking it 37-8. to eight. And then the game we mentioned a bit earlier, the Western Force versus the Queensland Reds. 
And as we said, this is the Reds winning this 32 to 30, and that sets up a rematch for the finals. I mean, finals places are now, despite there being one round to go, uh, the finals places are locked up, and it's going to be Queensland versus the Waratahs. And the Western Force women put in a, a pretty spirited effort in this game too. Like they had some some really eager runners. I, I would say their their skills just weren't quite matching that of the Queensland women, who I think have a number of Wallaroos in their team. So that's a that's a pretty pretty good set of assets for for Queensland that that Western Force women couldn't match. Queensland capitalised a bit on on discipline in that game, but. You know, it's promising. It's good to know there's not just, you know, two out of these five teams that are, that are the only ones who can really compete. Like, we've got some some reasonable parity across most of the competition, mm. which is really good in the early stages because you need to have five competitive teams so that the there isn't a bit of a draw for, for good players to, to run to a, a successful team early. We want this to be as, as balanced as possible so they each develop their own legacy as, as the competitions go year to year. Yeah, and you want the general punter to be able to go out and know they're going to see some good, exciting rugby when they're getting out to these games as well. Yeah. Um, so there is one more round, as we said. Uh, the Queensland Reds have a bit of a bye this round, so they get to rest up before the finals. Uh, the Rebels are taking on the Waratahs, and that's down in Melbourne uh, on the 7th of April. That's this weekend at Box Hill. And then I think this will be actually be quite an exciting game. The Brumbies hosting the Western Force back at GIO Stadium at 5pm. And that's a precursor to the Brumbies taking on the Reds um, in the Super Rugby as well. Uh, I think that'll be a really exciting game after what we saw the Western Force do last weekend. Yeah, it could be a good doubleheader if you're down Canberra way. I'd definitely get down early for the Brumbies and Western Force women. And now we have a bit of exciting guests. We were pleased to welcome uh, Ned Hannigan to the uh, to the podcast this week. Well, we're very excited at the Running Rugby podcast to welcome Waratahs and Wallabies forward uh, Ned Hannigan onto the onto the show. First off, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Uh, no worries, Archie. Thanks very much for, for giving me the opportunity to have you on. Now um, we know first things up. We know you've been under a bit of uh, injury cloud. How's how's the shoulder feeling, mate? No, it's all good, mate. Um, had a bit of a bit of a knock on it over there in Argentina. Mm. But uh, yeah, sort of conveniently had a bye week, uh, which gave it a bit of a rest. Mm. Uh, it should be should be a gala um, for this weekend. Yeah, great. Yeah, big game against the Brumbies this weekend. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always it's always big games. Um, you know, every sort of Super Rugby game, but this one in particular. I mean, you guys got stung a bit with a pretty tough travel schedule straight up, heading, having one game and then heading overseas before you've even faced many Australian teams. You... Yeah. It, uh, yeah, no, we sort of had that game here against the Stormers, which was, well, I suppose it was a bloody real good way to, to start the season on a win at home and then hit the road. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously you didn't do as well as what we would have liked. Um, the Sharks game sort of got away from us a little bit and you know, we sort of scored a pretty late try there thanks to Mitch Short mm. um, which was pretty phenomenal he scored that try on, on one ACL but yeah that, that sort of drew it and so we were a bit, bit lucky to come away with points there um, and then the Jags going the first 20 minutes 
I, we sort of want to forget about it, really. But uh, no, it was it was definitely good to come back after not a pleasing tour um, and put together a pretty good performance uh, on Sunday afternoon here at home against the Rebels. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was definitely impressive, and I'm sure that must have. Felt, must have felt the mood um, improve after that coming out and showing how you guys can play and what you, what damage you can do. Yeah, definitely. I think I think we sort of you know well, we we played a bit of good footy overseas, but you know things sort of didn't go our way in a you know in those fifty fifty type of calls and stuff like that and sort of mm. yeah we sort of just. Um, didn't put that 80-minute performance together, and to be fair, didn't really put that 80-minute performance together against the Rebels. It was sort of a bit of a tail of two halves. We we defended a fair bit in that first half. Defended quite well, really. They they scored two two tries off our drop peels. Yeah. Um, so didn't really create anything in that first half for themselves. But yeah, no, we uh, we ended up sort of scoring pretty quickly after half time and. Um, our backs, Faleo had a bloody amazing game. Sort of Bernard and Curly kicking those high balls and yeah. hitting, you know catching thirty meters down the field was was pretty handy. Um, and yeah, we sort of the backs capitalised off the back of that and the forwards did up pretty well in the second half again. Now you've been playing. Uh, you've sort of moved into the second row for the Waratahs from playing a bit of time at six earlier. Do you do you have a position that you think you're most effective in? doubt it at all has um check talked about you about what position you want to focus on for wallabies and and the island tests uh well i haven't really um spoken specifically to him about the irish um series sort of there's a fair bit of footy to be played between now and then obviously it's a you know it's a goal that you want to be a part of um such an awesome series but you know all i can do is perform um, with the Waratahs and and uh, yeah, like I said, um, to the best of my ability. But uh, I think at that international level, yeah, I probably need about another another foot and about twenty kilos uh, to pack into the second row. So I think the the main focus there is definitely at six. But yeah, like I said, if it if it comes down to a few injuries or whatever, and and I have to make a bit of a shuffle, yeah, I can I can do that. Uh, and you've sort of, you know, blown onto the scene in the last two years, starting off with sort of the country eagles and stuff in the NRC. What, what's your thoughts on the NRC becoming that bit of that feeder program and getting people into Australian rugby, just that extra level? Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what it is. It's a feeder program. It gives, um, I think, first and foremost, an opportunity for, for you know, young aspiring players to to go up against one another 
and also you, you know you you play guys that have been playing super um, that whole you know six months beforehand. So the quality of footy that that some of those guys um, are obviously looking to to big up contracts, whether it's here or overseas, or you know, or just getting back from maybe a, an injury and getting a bit of footy in for the year. Um, it's very and it's a high quality game. The uh, the sort of the way the NRC's played, you, the balls in play a lot more. So you you know you're increasing your fitness and things like that. And I know blokes like. Michael Checker, you know, he, he watches those games and picks both out of the NRC. Mm. Um, you know, there's a few examples. Luke Khan, too, he had a good, a good super season last year and then performed in the NRC and got called up. Tolu La, two, two years ago, was performing with the Eagles and, and got called over on the spring tour. Taniela Tupu is another one. That, yeah, the list goes on. So yeah, for guys to sort of get that exposure and them knowing that, you know, coaches and and selectors are watching those games, um, I think it's a massive opportunity. And, you know, it's something um, particularly here in Sydney that, that the Waratahs put a big emphasis on, you know, making sure that the guys are getting their gym programs and everything right and, um, and performing and standing out in those NRC teams and games. So, yeah, it's a, it's a massive opportunity for anyone who's, who's looking to go on for further honours. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean... You're a pretty great example. I mean, coming onto Super Rugby and Wallabies last year, and you know you won the Rugby Australia Rookie of the Year award last year. So smashing it, mate. <laughs> uh, like I said, I uh, don't take too much notice of all that sort of stuff. You just get on the field and and want to perform, you know, the best of your abilities for the blokes around you. I think it's um, it's something rugby's, you know, driven what's driven India from such a young age. You know, that camaraderie, ship and mateship that you have. Mm. With the blokes you're on the field with, and you just don't want to let them down. It's something um, I definitely hope that when people look at me play, they can see that I'm, you know, sticking up for the blokes around me and and doing my job to the best of my ability, so the guys on my team are able to do, you know, what they can do. So yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a exciting time last year, and yeah, looking looking forward to or, or hoping that I can sort of replicate it again this year. Do you have in your mind thinking about the Rugby World Cup next year coming up in Japan? Um, I suppose it's, it's a, uh, in the back of your mind. But like I said earlier on, it's sort of I like to uh, make sure that I don't look too far out in front or you get complacent with what's on um, You know, this weekend. We've got a massive game down in Canberra and you know they'll, they'll turn up. They've had a bye week as well and they're coming off a, a pretty good win. So... Yeah, I like to I like to look, you know, not too far out in front and just concentrate on the here and now and all that other stuff sort of well it more or less takes care of itself. You know, if you perform week in, week out then good things will happen I suppose. But, you know, it's it's obviously a goal. Um, it'd be an awesome World Cup to be a part of and I think from an international perspective where we're all bloody eager to, to go one better. Yeah. That final they've they played, um, over there against the All Blacks was as a collective, the nation didn't think we were probably going to go as good as what you know um, the Wallabies did. And I think um, going to 2019, I know Michael Hooper and Checker um, are definitely driving the blokes to perform. You know, in the here and now, in your Super Rugby provinces, and then going to the Island Series and ruffle a few feathers there, and, and go and spring two and perform over there. So. 
Yeah. yeah, like I said, it'd be awesome to be a part of, but there's plenty of footy and plenty to happen between now and then. So, yeah, not looking too far out in front. No, sounds good, mate. Yeah, you're right. There's there's lots of lots of footy to be played. Well, thanks so much for coming on the pod and having a bit of a chat. Uh, it's great to hear from you. Um, best of luck for the rest of the Waratah season this weekend and for the Wallabies later in the year. Oh, good on you, Archie. Thanks for <laughs> the running podcast as well. It's, thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, thanks again, uh, Ned, for coming on the show. Really enjoyed having a chat with him and all the best... Uh, of luck for the rest of the season for him with the Waratahs and hopefully the Wallabies. Big uh, fans of Ned. Keep playing hard. Yeah. Just to clarify, I think we were talking a bit about uh, Mitch Short's uh, ACL. I think the, I think technically what he what he had must have been what's known as sort of a grade one or two sort of sprain of the ligament, um, which is sort of uh, small tears within it. I'm not sure he's been able to fully rupture his ACL and continue on playing. Uh, that doesn't but, seem likely. Yeah, so I think he's he's obviously got to do a bit to protect it because it's obviously a bit more at risk. But yeah, good to see that he's he's still putting in the hard yards because we we can't afford to lose another um, halfback in that yeah Waratah setup at the moment. Round eight. And now let's look forward to round eight of the Super Rugby this week. And um, we have a few buys this week: the Rebels, Highlanders, and Blues. All uh, Rebels, Highlanders, and Bulls. Sorry all get to have the week off and recover a little bit. Uh, but then on uh, Friday night, we have the Hurricanes taking on the Sharks, who have come off that big win against the Blues. And, Leo, how do you think this is going to shape up? Oh, like I said, if the Sharks can bring the game they played last week and, and contest with the Hurricanes, we can have another Friday 5.30 stunner. We're, we're blessed with these games. And, look, I think the Hurricanes will have the Sharks. Uh, Toby agrees with us. He thinks the Hurricanes will, will have the wood there. Mm. But, yeah, it could be a really exciting game. The, the Sharks have that phys- physical size that the, the Hurricanes probably can't can't quite match. But uh, the Hurricanes certainly know how to use everything they've got. So the Sharks will have to be on their game to, to make it competitive. Definitely, definitely. But I, I do agree with you too. And I think the Hurricanes, I think just the form that they've been in, it'd be hard-pressed to tip against them at the moment. They're just looking a bit unstoppable, really. Um, let's let's keep moving. And the game on Saturday afternoon, we have the Waratahs, and they're going to face uh, the Sunwolves, and that's over in Tokyo again. And what do we expect? Are the Waratahs going to keep sort of stringing together a few wins for us here? I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, it's a bit bizarre that Toby would tip the Sunwolves in this game. He, he hasn't been on the Sunwolves all, all season. Yeah, but, weird that. Uh, I don't know yeah. what he's thinking. It's, it's the the heat, the heat out there in the Sahara must have got to his head. Yeah, that's all right. We'll, we'll let him have that one. That's fine. He, he <laughs> wants to vary it up. He's he's going the counterintuitive way. That's fine. Uh, I, yeah, I like think think the Waratahs can do this absolutely. The the travel, at least you're not traveling to a different, uh, a, a significantly different time zone. It's a long flight, but presumably they'll be flying early enough that they can settle into the climate up there. And they won't be too affected by time change. I think I think the Waratahs will pro- probably have to defend pretty hard early. They certainly don't want the Sunwolves getting any points uh, early in the first half because the Sunwolves have shown a fair bit of intent early on. But no, I think the Waratahs have got the class across the park to, to do the Sunwolves here. But don't underestimate them at home. They, they've shaken a few teams already this season. Yeah, I think it's... it's you hit the nail right on the head, I think, there. It's about having that solid defense early on. If you do 
what they did versus the Hagiwaris and let an early try through the Sunwolves get their tails up and they'll start to get a real fight on their hands and you don't want to get into a, a really close-in battle with these guys. You you want to get on top early and play some really free-flowing rugby and take some confidence out of this game um, pushing forward. Next we have uh, the Chiefs versus the Blues and that's another New Zealand derby uh, Saturday night this time. And will the Blues be able to put it together if even though they're still probably going to be without a lot of their main stars and I can't see it really at the moment I think the Chiefs have already played the Blues once they went down to Auckland and they took the win and I think there's not going to be much of a different story that was when the Blues were at full strength and the Chiefs getting to play at home at Waikato they've just taken on the Highlanders and beat them I think they can really pretty much put in the same game plan and take away a victory here I would think so as well, and we, we've clean clean sweep on this one for the Chiefs. If, if you compare it to their previous game, it's at home where that was away. It's against an understrength Blues versus their previous win was against a full strength Blues or thereabouts. So uh, again, I'd have to check the team list just to make sure that no one particularly significant is coming back for the Blues. I don't think Augustine Pulu is quite there. He's, he's got to be a week or two mm. from now. But um, yeah, unless he surprises us and comes back and they pick up a few a few extra recovery from the recovery ward then uh yeah look the chiefs the chiefs are erratic and they're hard to predict but uh i think they'll they'll have the blues in this one yeah and as you said toby toby agrees with us there um the next game and that's the brumbies again get a game at home at jio and bringing down the reds from queensland who've had a week off to sit back and watch the Brumbies versus the Waratahs last week and form a bit of a game plan here. And Is that going to help them? Are the Brumbies going to be able to step back up now? Yeah, these games seem to keep coming at, at these interesting moments in the in the ebb and flow of, of the, the Australian conference. And with the Rebels securely on top and, and heading for a bye, it's, it's time to play catch-up. And you've got the Reds and the Brumbies sitting mid-table. They're, they're only separated by one win. Can the Brumbies do it at home against against what was a you know a strong Reds outfit? I'm I'm sticking with the Reds because the Reds have have shown it this season in a number of different situations. Travel hasn't affected them too badly. They they had that one horrible series of flights out of South America, but you know, they went to they went to Buenos Aires and they and they did the Jaguars Jaguars. So uh, I think the Reds can travel. Yeah, I mean you're right at the moment. The Reds are only four points in front of the Brumbies, so if the Brumbies can pull this out, suddenly they're back on even footing and are challenging for that third sort of spot in the conference, one point behind sort of the Waratahs, I mean, depending on results this weekend. But just from what we've seen and the what the culture and ethos it looks like Brad Thorne has instilled within the Reds this season, it really looks like they'll be able to go and put the Brumbies under enough pressure that they just won't be able to function. And if you if they were struggling with the defensive pressure that the Waratahs were putting on them, you think they're going to struggle a lot harder with the defensive pressure that the Reds are going to bring to this game. And I mean, it looks like Toby agrees. And despite us talking about home ground advantage and everything in these games, we've all backed the Reds here to take a victory away from home, which will be massive in the context of this is taking the second game versus the Brumbies. If they can do that, suddenly they're they're two they're taking two wins from two games in an Australian conference that's going to be very close, as you said. 
Yeah, to consider that the Brumbies, who have been the top Australian team for a number of seasons, could be facing two home losses in a row against Australian conference opposition. It's it's shocking if you if you throw your mind back to six weeks ago before before we've seen what we've seen from them this year. So uh, it, it's one of those times when you feel like ah, this that sort of run just doesn't happen. The Brumbies will pull it together. The, the home team won't go too. No, oh, and two, but yeah. Look on on form. We've seen it from the Reds already. I think they've done enough to to suggest that they're the favourite going into this game. Yeah, I think you're right. The Reds have proved to us what they're about, and it's it's hard to go against that now. They've just kept on showing it every week, and they've shown consistency. The next game, and well, we were talking about these two challenging for the top spot in South African in the sack, and it's the Lions versus Stormers, and that's from the Lions at home in Johannesburg. And look, this is two teams that are coming off losses that they both would have had hoped to win. Um, and what do we think? I mean, I'm I'm still leaning towards the Lions just with the defensive prowess that they showed. And I think they showed, I think the Bulls showed a little bit of how you can push the Stormers and force them into a few sort of errors in their game and put them off their sort of normal attacking. Yeah, absolutely. The Bulls demonstrated how to unsettle the Stormers. The Stormers have a young fly half, Damian Wilmser. Uh, they pressured him. They There was a couple of, you know, typically South African dodgy late hits that, that probably shook him up a little bit, but they just gave him no space. And if the Lions, with their intensity and, and press defense, can do the same thing, then absolutely they're the home team. Stormers coming up to altitude. I th- I, I'm, I'm going for the Lions in this particular one. But it is again, it's it's a pivotal one in the scheme of the South African Conference. Assuming the Sharks can't beat the Hurricanes, at the end of this coming round, the Lions could be as much as uh, eleven points that, in front, fifty or oh, twelve points. Or in front if the Stormers of don't take any points, if the Stormers don't take any points, then they're on twelve. So, yeah. and that's a massive, massive gap to for any of those other teams in the sack to chase down. So big, big game, big game early in the season. They'll, they'll all come back on the return circuit for the rest of their derby games. But yeah, the Lions, the Lions have a lot to gain out of this and the Stormers probably need the win, but I, I, I'm not tipping them this week. I'm sticking with the Lions. Yeah, and Toby's agreed with us, the Lions. And I think you're right, considering the Lions are about to go out on their tour, uh, they really need to build up a bit of a buffer um, to get some points in hand. And if they can come out of this 12 points in front, effectively three wins uh, in front of the nearest competition. It's then, huge. Yeah, that's massive sort of going into a tour where we've only seen one win from the Sharks last week. Uh, next is the Crusaders are moving on from South Africa. They're heading across to the Haguares. Um, still, you know, sitting it down at home and they've had, what is that? It's almost four home games, I think, they've had in a row. I think this is the fifth now to the Haguaris, and I think it's going to be a tough one for the Crusaders in this one. I think it's a lot of travel. And the Haguaris, I mean, they they showed what they can do versus the Lions. I think as long as they get off to a bit of a good start here, as we've seen what they did versus the Tars and what they did versus the Lions, I reckon the Haguaris could run away with this. I reckon they... They play with enough passion that they could overwhelm the clinical thinking of the Crusaders. Nah, I'm, I'm on the other end of the seesaw, buddy. I I, th- I think the passion is exactly what the Crusaders know how to to pick apart. 
and maybe maybe the Haguaras are been dining dining at home too too many nights in a row. Five games are I guess they probably have to schedule it like that because the travel out of South America would just be absolutely devastating to a team if they were in and out and in and out, uh, particularly with their South African conference games that's true. all the time. But but yeah, five in a row. Uh, I'm on the Crusaders and Toby's on the Crusaders with me. So uh, this is another another opportunity for you to run us down in the tipping. Yeah, you, you take every every chance you can get. Yeah, because that worked so well for me last week when I was tipping the <laughs> Rebels and the Brumbies. Oh, God, and the Blues and oh, the Chiefs paid off at least. But yeah, okay. Um, hopefully I'll get some points out of this one. Leah, I thought we would struggle to have enough to talk about this week and we've gone longer than I think any other sort of recording without having anything going on, even without the chatterbox, which is Toby, which I think it's just allowed us to actually say what we think and not have to just quiet, quieten down the boy in the corner. Oh, Big Brother's always been dominating conversation. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nice to spread the wings and, and share some more intellectual opinions. <laughs> that's it. Intellectual opinions, key word there. All right, guys, that's that's all from us. Once again, uh, go and have a look at us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast. You'll see some regular updates, news, and some videos that we put up there. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts. Uh, give us a review, chuck us five stars, and subscribe to us, guys. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, thanks again for tuning in from me and Leo and Toby dying of dehydration in the desert somewhere. And remember, keep on running. Run. Because if you're dying of dehydration, running is and, not good. Then. And running is not what you should be doing at all. <laughs> Look for water, Matt. <laughs> try not to try not to get too swayed by the mirage on the horizon and just. You... What do you reckon he's seeing in his mirage? Is it is it a bar? I reckon he's seeing like an English pub there. It's just like pints. Oh, well, can... <laughs> Bit of Guinness. Oh, Guinness. <laughs> That's what you'd see in your mirage. Oh, definitely, mate.